that last episode was with Brad uh, McDermott, and it yeah. was just an impromptu, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on, let's uh, just chat about it. So we didn't even have an outline, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Actually talked about some common history we have, uh, that, mm-hmm. um, and actually personal history. We talked about me, me, me my wife, <laughs> so... Um, well, I'm missing it already. I mean, Brad's always great. You know? Yeah. And anytime, I'd love to sit down on a conversation between the two of you. So that's that's uh, a shame. Someday, yeah. Um, I, I think we decided that because of we have some shared history with other people that are in these film groups that um, that we kind of got into and it had a good time. I think we might get them on. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Let's uh, have you and Brad. And hello, we have David Blakesley, Trevor Barrett. How you doing? Yeah. Hello, hello. Hey, it's good hello. to be together. It is good to be together. Yeah, it's been a few. Um, I know we tr- had a couple of false starts. We were going to do that um, the mid-year uh, best of, remember? Yep. And I oh, think, yeah. David, you and I ended up doing videos. Uh, Trevor, did, did you do one as well? I forget. No, I thought about it, and it just, <laughs> you know how that goes sometimes. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, later yeah. tonight. I, <laughs> no idea what that's like. It's December, and we're looking at uh, our best yep. of the year. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's a lot of good stuff, so um, at least we we prepared for it. Um, So anyway, uh, uh, David Blakesley, Trevor Barrett from Criterion Cast, uh, Eclipse Viewer, uh, is it called Inside the Box, the new new project? Inside the Box. And we have... Outside the Box. Right. We have a box, (laughs) maybe maybe more to talk about today, so... um, Yeah, yeah, the collection uh, and our future... itinerary uh, it continues to grow yeah yeah in fact i you know we, we never plan the the guests around the titles uh, because you know who knows you know and so sometimes there have been some accidents where nobody's seen anything and you know we we, we tend to make it but i i think even though this is a a, a weird month uh, i think this is you're the perfect two uh to to have on to, to talk about these so, I think we can maximize the fairly minimal offerings that has given us. Yeah, but. yeah, that's a good point. So, so with that in mind, let's just jump right in. Um, so we have four titles for, Dece- uh, for December, for January 2021. So starting the year uh, off, uh, I guess, sort of a bit with a bang with uh, three films by Louis Binwell. Uh, these are three that have been on, on Criterion before, but they were out of print. Um, I believe they were all DVD only. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And so these are upgrades and back in print. Uh, and I and I, I believe these were Studio Canal out of prints as well. So that's um, yeah. They they went out of the big extinction event there back in was it 2010 <laughs> I believe. And I think they're a really important return. I mean, uh, you know, Bunuel is a guy who had a really dynamic historic you know epic career and you can look at different phases of his work and this is definitely these are the, the last three you know major films that he did and um you know so it's it's a big missing piece that is now going to be you know nicely accessible to you know newer collectors younger fans or people just maybe making the discovery of Benwell. um so i'm very excited to have these back in the collection i know there's that studio canal box i think it's a you know was it region b Mm-hmm. Which I have, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, which is which is great, and, and it's got even more films than than these three. But you know, right. yeah, uh, yeah these the are his seventies yeah. output for the most part. Uh, right, exactly, and and uh, I'll be covering them in future seasons of my uh, uh, Criterion Reflections podcast. I'm looking forward to that. But you know, they they That's really true. are the capstone to a pretty important filmmaker's career, and uh, so I'm I, I'm really happy to have them back. Yeah, Trevor, uh, have you seen all, all three? 
I have. Yeah, I'm with David. I think this is an important set to get back. And I, I'm glad that the, the supplements aren't, it's not just the D, or the DVDs put back into print. You know, right. they do have new supplements from the years since those went out of print. And so it should be a really good set. It, it seems to be that kind of career capstone set. Now, I will say these are, these are not, this is not my favorite period um, for Bunuel. But I probably last saw these films 15 years or so ago, and I'm interested to see if that was just who I was back then, um, or you know if, if I kind of come around a little bit more on his later work, which for me gets a little bit maybe too, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Not absurd. Because I like yeah, his absurdism. Silly. <laughs> yeah, precious, uh, indulgent, yeah. you know, yeah, kind the of. The indulgence yeah. of it, I guess. Yeah. It's, right, a, right. it's a little bit too in my face, whereas I kind of prefer, you know, if, if we're looking at things be, just just prior to this, I love the, you know, the, the films from the 60s, let's say. Um, but then, then these get a little bit, you know, kind of off the rails for me. Again, in the past, so I'm excited to try them again because I've never, I've never tried them again. I've only seen them each once in a brief period, you know, kind of going through his work, and so this would be a good thing. Uh, but regardless of my personal, you know, take on the films, you know, my personal satisfaction with them, um, absolutely a, a a great get back and an important uh, box, a great way to start the year. Yeah, I agree. And to your point about the new supplements, uh, there are a few from, looks like 2017. And so I I wonder if maybe those were, I'll have to check the Studio Canal disc. They might've been um, recorded for those uh, since it looks like Studio Canal and Criterion are back in business together. Um, So yeah, there's a a Lady Doubles, a documentary uh, with the uh, the actresses from Obscure Object of Desire, uh, an analysis of uh, the Phantom of Liberty, and uh, a couple others, I believe. Um, so, you, and believe it or not, I I have only seen one th- one of the three. So I've been waiting uh, for this day, and I or or for me to get off the couch and um, and open my Benoel Studio Canal set. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen a lot, of, I mean, most of his other work, and I do agree that I, I really love his early work. But the, the only one I've seen of this group is uh, the Phantom of Liberty. Which is very indulgent and very, uh, you know, kind of double downing on on Benwell's uh, surrealism or or absurdity. Um, but I, I love it. I, I think, think it's my favorite, to I, be honest with you. Is it? These okay. three, I I really like that one. That that if I remember right, that one was the one that I walked away thinking, I do want to see that one again. Mm. It's clever. I think all three have their yeah. their strong points, and and you know you you can you can advance arguments as to which of the three is the superior production, uh, but yeah, you know, like I say, I'll join the choir and say you know the '60s work is probably his peak. I also have a, a lot of fondness for his '50s Mexican films. I mean, when he's really a director working under duress, and that is mm-hmm. one of my long-standing mm-hmm. hopes is that we could either get at least Los Olvidados yeah. or or a more comprehensive '50s. Uh, a presentation of, of Benwell's 50s work because they're really neglected. Uh, occasionally some of them will pop up uh, like Death in the Garden and Robinson Crusoe I think have been on the Criterion channel from time to time but y- you almost want to really see that whole chapter of his career in, in a kind of a comprehensive kind of like the Sternberg 
uh, Dietrich, you know, uh, set that was you know, from a couple of years ago, just sort of, sort of tells the whole story. Um, I'm not sure there's a lot of supplemental material from those years. I mean, what you see is what you get. But uh, Bunuel is just such a fascinating character, and and he really traverses, you know, the the whole uh, history of radical, independent, you know, do it my own way type of cinema, going back to his, you know, Unchien uh, Andalou, Lash Door, yeah, uh, yeah, all of that. I mean. Uh, he he's a very important uh, influential figure and so it's it's great to have these these works in the collection uh, the, one of the big questions is going to be how is this going to be presented are these going to be three digipacks is it going to be something kind of like one of these mm-hmm. fold out sets like the Carl Zeman you know and <laughs> this is kind of getting into the obscurities for the spine number completest collectors are these going to be you know editions that you can replace the old DVDs in your in your collection or is this going to be an unnumbered box yeah. as, as three slim digipacks and, and what do you do with it as far as shelving is concerned so those are some of the questions I've already been pondering we yeah, we don't know, and uh, and then the covers of them are are some, you know they're very very much like the uh, the images that we've seen uh, associated with these films. Uh, I, I like the covers very much. I, I think they mm-hmm. uh, why why break something that's that's not uh, broke or why fix something that's not broken. Uh, right, these are iconic images already associated with the films. You're not going to improve on that based on their history and everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your preference? What's your preference as to how these will be presented? If I were a betting man, these okay. are a non-box or a non-spine numbered digipack set. Yeah, I think the spines that's on much... the, the individual packs. That well, is that I... your preference, or are you just like, please make it like the um, the old uh, Wallace Shawn on yeah. Gregory set? <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think they have any in, in, uh, any op- option of releasing them as standalone single you know titles so i i believe it will be a digipack it might even be like one of these fold out things where you're not even going to get three separate cases you know mm-hmm. uh, since like i already Mussolini. have the dvds yeah. Yeah, exactly I, since i already have the dvds i might just I'll, I'll just keep them in their place as placeholders and and be content with that and i'll mm-hmm. figure out something creative to do with my shelving scheme so if it's not a numbered box you know so uh like like with the del toro set i just kind of have it there with uh, whatever the last one was in that in that series, it's, even though it's not a numbered spine, it's in that spot in my uh, shelving system there. So I'll probably stick it on the end or stick it next to the Varda box or something like that. Well, we shall see. Uh, probably before <laughs> January fifth, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, a, the the spine uh, dilemma is uh, is ever eternal. <laughs> so, so moving on to uh, January twelfth. Uh, so I, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I, uh, complete surprise out of nowhere in fact a lot of these i will point out that nobody only one person in, in our prediction poll got it and that was josh brunstein who got the the next title we're about to talk about uh, not this one but the one following but this is uh minding the gap a film by uh, bing Liu Liu, I, I guess is how you pronounce his name uh and it's um i don't know if anybody's seen this it's it played on hulu uh it was nominated for an oscar it's a really a, a documentary about three kids uh who uh, have uh, skateboarding in common, and um, it's really a, to me, a beautiful film. It was among my favorite films of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll just ask first: Have you either of you seen this film? 
Uh, I have not. I, do, I watched the trailer, read up on it, you know, obviously preparing for this episode a bit. It looks, I mean, the, the trailer's gorgeous. I mean, these these action sequences of the kids skating and, and you kind of get the poetry and the fluidity of their motion. And, uh, you know, even though my, my kids are, you know, a bit older than that, as a, as a father, I can sort of relate to this phase of youth. And, of course, I, I work with teens, and I'll probably have more to say about my, my professional work and some of the other titles that we're going to be talking about. But, yeah, this just feels like a really... Um, you know, captivating portrait of, of kind of contemporary American uh, suburban life. I like that it's kind of got a cross-cultural thing going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it does. It looks like a really uh, compelling uh, piece of work. So I'm, I'm going to be very eager to check it out. Um, I don't know if it's still available on Hulu. I'm not a current Hulu subscriber. But, uh, it, yeah, it, it was a nice surprise, kind of a, like out of, out of left field for me. So I'm, I'm intrigued, definitely. It's also Magnolia Pictures. Um, as a, as both of you are fathers, I'll warn you that you're going to cry. And it's not going to be mm-hmm. in a, you know, it's not a tragedy film. So uh, I, I'm not a crier in films. In fact, I, my, my wife kind of makes fun of me for being stone-faced. <laughs> yeah. So so few films move me like this, but this one certainly did. Um, so, mm-hmm. Trevor, seen it? I haven't. I haven't seen this one. It's the only one I haven't seen of the of the releases this month. I, I remember hearing a lot about it when it came out. I think from Film Spotting. I think they really really liked it. Uh, but I also you know canceled Hulu on the date that they stopped carrying Criterion. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people did. <laughs> so I never did see it, but it does sound you know great. I know I, I saw on the Criterion forum that there's some criticism of the film by Glenn Kenny for its depiction of abuse, um, hmm. and, and potentially gain, garnering sympathy for an abuser, but that was pretty well rebutted there as well with people being like, "No, they're not to say that he's completely wrong, but it's a little bit reductive." So I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I like Glenn Kenny. I have all respect for for him and for his passion on things, um, but I'm." I was also glad to hear that, hey, that, you know, there, there's there's a lot more going on in this. It's definitely uh, worth worth uh, looking at. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree. I, I watched the trailer, too, and it looks um, looks really, really well done um, and exciting as far as this, the filmmaking. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I think this sounds like a powerful uh, film. Yeah, I, I can see. I, I'm not going to go into that conversation because I, I think that would get it get into spoiler territory but i could see how that that take might uh have somebody might um might come away with that so i yeah but let's uh let's see it uh and um and yeah see what other people think i I did check it it is still on hulu but uh what's not on hulu and what i think is really special is there are a lot of supplements and and that's what i of course we have access to a lot of these movies but you you're not going to find a commentary on netflix or on hulu uh, so yeah, we do have a commentary with uh, with really the three primary pe- people, uh, including the director who is a part of the film, and um, and yeah, a follow up conversation, and then of course Tony Hawk was the producer, or I'm sorry, Tony Hawk was not the producer. It's a there's an interview with Tony Hawk, the skateboarder, and also with the producer, with both producers of the films, um, and then you have a short film by um, by Lou about um, two Vietnamese immigrants uh, called Nguoc, I believe. Uh, my father lived in Vietnam for a while, so he might be excited mm. about this as well. It does get, go on about that culture and immigrant culture, so um, very excited. So uh, I can't wait to hear what you all think. 
Uh, and I, moving on, this is the one that Josh picked, uh, predicted. Not as excited about this one. Uh, Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. So I'm just going to kick it to you. I'll, I'll just say I didn't like it. Um, it. I'm willing to give it another <laughs> shot, but I didn't like it when I watched it on Netflix. So sorry. Is it? Yeah. Is it because you're like not a fan of that phase of Dylan's career? Um, I mean, yeah, I have never seen it. Maybe. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big Bob Dylan fan. And actually, I have memories of the Rolling Thunder Review as a young teenager when it was actually happening. And I was just beginning to get into sort of charting my own course through the world of you know rock music and all of that and i i remember you know like in reading in rolling stone and cream magazine and other kind of periodicals of the time like there was this big thing going on i really had other than you know a few familiar bob dylan songs at the time i really didn't didn't know who he was what he was about but i remember hearing the hype and then you know checking out some of the you know current dylan albums of blood on the tracks desire things of that sort and and just not digging it as much as i was into like you know kiss and aerosmith and queen and <laughs> that <Ted Nugent>. comes <laughs> up in <that>. right <laughs> and, and so you know i i'm definitely very uh intrigued to sort of get in touch with that in fact the um the rolling thunder set was the first of the bob dylan bootleg series uh cds that i ever got and again just because i sort of felt a connection to that uh, you know even though i wasn't personally into it at the time i was still pretty fascinated and, and pretty curious and so um you know i could say uh, i know it's on netflix i could probably just go click on it right now and watch it i just have never you know followed through on that but it seems to me like you know a pretty worthy addition but perhaps there are some things i know there's I, I guess there's some controversy about some of the sleight of hand tricks that scorsese pulled and, and things of that mm -hmm. sort so that that may be a detractor ultimately um but you know you've got some unreleased outtake footage and you know again the nice package of supplements to kind of give you access to this big uh, kind of countercultural event that that dylan engineered with uh, input from a lot of other you know pretty significant creative artists of the time so yeah to me it's just kind of one of these uh, you know cultural touchstones and I'll, I'll be curious to check it out and happy to add it well i did watch it yesterday because i was working home um <laughs> or working <laughs> from home and and put it on and um I, I'd love for you to, to chat with you about it, David. Um, okay, we'll have our opportunity. There's, <laughs> there's definitely, you know, the, the Bob Dylan documentary here, uh, footage from, from the tour, and it, it sets up in such an interesting way by looking at, you know, the, the bicentennial that was coming up and and all of that. But yeah, I kind of felt like they were tricking me. I, I liked it more than Aaron. I did look at your your thoughts on on uh, Letterboxd, Aaron. Uh, brief as they were, you kind of explained yourself quite well. Um, <laughs> and, and and probably in the end, just kind of felt like okay. I don't know if the Trixie stuff worked for me. Um, I don't. Bob Dylan's way into that. I feel lately, you know, um, <laughs> maybe always, but uh, I feel like he's kind of a little bit of a troll. Um, and Scorsese uh, digs into that a little bit here, kind of left me a little more befuddled than, than like, oh, yeah, that's really an interesting um, insight into how all of this works or memory, you know, this time uh, nearly 50 years ago now, uh, you know, so, but, but yeah, I, I did, I did enjoy a lot of it, um, but it's such a mishmash of, of 
different setups and not sure which ones paid off and whether I kind of bailed mentally at about the halfway mark. It's a long film, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that could have been too. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to hear more thoughts on it. But uh, a good, I, I think, you know, of course, it's, it's Bob Dylan, it's Martin Scorsese. This is, this is a, a great pickup for Criterion as far as all that's concerned. And, um, and I do think there might be a lot to this film as I start to unpick it with the help of others um, that I need uh, might, might really rise in my estimation. Okay, and and thanks for bringing up my letterbox. I, I don't remember what I said, but uh, letterbox <laughs> is a good forum for brevity, <laughs> and uh, and sometimes you know when when you don't like something, it's easy to be succinct. <laughs> um, but um, but my memory is I was just annoyed by it, and uh, and, I, and I think it might be one of those, you know, I watch it on a weekday, and I expect something like Don't Look Back, which is very energizing and exhilarating, and I get something that is you know a, a little too playful, too twee, maybe. Um, maybe not tweet. Tweet is not the right word, but um, but I, I am willing to give it a chance. It will it will be. I'll I'll go in with an open mind and not when I'm in a <laughs> not on a weekday. So, uh, but but I think it's worth um, it's it's great. I, I love Scorsese music documentaries, and I love that they have some some concert footage because Dylan. I I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I also think wow, we we've gotten a lot of uh, Scorsese this year, or really over the last uh, twelve months. So kind of curious uh you know if that tap's gonna run dry at some point i um so Couple interesting things i want to talk about the cover if you don't have a mind yeah. giving me a minute um if you look at the cover on the criterion website it has 2019 uh i guess that's when the, the the film was released but really even more the visual um composition there was very reminiscent of um wr mysteries of the organism and even the mishima yes. cover yes. so i wondered mm-hmm. if that was the same artist but that's actually three different artists this kind of sort of uh, mandala symmetrical type of composition Uh, but yeah so this was done by Efron Miller and uh, the WR cover was done by Lucien Yang and the the Neil Keller house did the Mishima cover so three different artists each employing sort of similar devices Uh, so I I said you know it's nice that they've got some diversity of of creative talent there and those are all pretty familiar names to anybody who studies Criterion cover art they're kind of all in-house talents I believe Um, but you know just kind of fascinating that they kind of each chose this motif of uh, kind of this almost kaleidoscopic hallucinogenic type of uh, (laughs) you know presentation and it probably fits the the uh, the presentation of each of those three distinct films well, on that though, the, the cover seems to really dig into this bicentennial Americana. Oh yeah, and yeah. Um, looking Stars at Stars and Stripes and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like the film started there and made promises that it failed to keep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have loved a little bit. Uh, again, maybe part of the stuff that I missed with the subversive, you know, playfulness is about that exact thing, and so I just missed it. But I mean, I needed something a little bit more. Uh, blunt I guess if that's the case but um, but I I feel like the beginning of the film and then this cover makes it makes it into something that I didn't um, I didn't get and that's always the hazard of documentary isn't it like you, you, you go with the footage that you get and maybe there's a the sketches sketches of a story the outline but you can't get everything to completely seal the deal you know <laughs> uh, we I just talked about this with Jordan and Scott and Arik about uh the war room and and how they had to really improvise and even borrow footage from other uh contemporary documentarians to kind of round out what they actually 
had access to when they were making the documentary. And that's, again, it's this kind of spontaneous improv type of thing. <coughs> and and here, here's Scorsese, you know, slicing together footage from 45 years later of, of whatever is out there. You know, he's got yeah. maybe access to everything and you've got to sort of make something comprehensible and, and somewhat definitive when you can't go back and do any reshoots, you know. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like not not to digress too much, but uh, Town Bloody Hall, uh, you know, it they you got to work with what you got. So yeah, some of the footage wasn't the best, but they managed to tell a story out of it. Yeah. Uh, so we have one one last title from uh, from January, and it's a pretty big deal, I think, um, especially for uh, for the the pair of people I'm talking to right now. So we have uh, Larissa Larissa Shapiko, uh, The Ascent. Uh, as a lot of people know, she was married to Elam Klimov. Uh, and she had a, a clip set c- come out with uh, this movie. Uh, I, I think this is generally seen as her um, her masterpiece. Uh, and I I agree. I think it is a masterpiece. Um, I'm going to ask you both. I don't know if this is a, a fact or not, but I think this might be the first standalone uh, Eclipse upgrade uh, into Blu- Blu-ray with features and, and everything. Is that correct? You are correct. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a big deal. It's a bad bad news for the Eclipse series. Uh, I don't know well, if you if, if you <laughs> were it's been done for a while now. We've, yeah. We've come to terms. You've <laughs> accepted it. So yeah. Uh, and the series isn't out of print. I mean, they're still right. there. They're just not likely to add to it at all, which which is definitely disappointing. But I have to say, if there's one only one film from the Eclipse series that deserves its own standalone release, I think this is it. I think mm-hmm. they got the correct one. You could make an argument maybe for some of the Ozus. Obviously, all the Bergman stuff has been upgraded to Blu-ray. You see, Daisy's um, brought up a lot. Yeah, and a lot of the yeah, Czech films, I think. But I mean, Daisy and Daisy's definitely has its is a life of its own, and and it's out there. But I, I really feel like The Ascent is a major league, you know, gut wrenching classic. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, profound, mm-hmm. uh, heavy unforgettable i've watched it several times and it just floors me every single time even when i know what's coming because it's just i don't know it's just it's such a gripping and and um timeless story uh just about the the drama the suffering the the intensity of of you know just being caught up in a war that's much bigger and much more intractable than anything that you have any personal agency to affect you you just got to deal with it because you know the 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 winds of fate and and so social tumult are are boiling around you and you've just got to find a way to survive it all uh it's the, the atmosphere you know just getting into a nice crisp blu-ray you know monochrome transfer will be will be exciting to see it again and uh so i yeah i think it was it was definitely due i mean i think even when i first watched it we we made the case that this was um, you know, this is one that deserves the best presentation that it can, and so it took them quite a while, but, uh, you know, here it is. And just to make sure the record's clear, this is one that you did with Rob before I joined exactly. you on, yeah, uh, this was, on the Exactly, oh, really? yeah. Oh, really? Oh, no. It was very early, so maybe we'll have to do an episode, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would love it, because yeah. this is one of the reasons I got into the Eclipse set in the first, or the Eclipse series in the first place, is because of this film in that set showed me that that's filled with treasures and yeah you know maybe maybe not all of them reach this level though i'm definitely a major fan of the series and first hugely grateful that it exists um but yeah this is i'm with you 100 percent of the way this is the one that if if someone gave me all the eclipse films and said pick one to put on blu-ray 
I'm with you, David. I, I would pick this one. I, I, I would. Um, and I'm glad they've got all these extra supplements. It needed it because she's not super well known, mm-hmm. you know, and, and has a brief but very interesting career. I'm glad that they, they bring in the Klimov's uh, short film about her. I've never seen it, but I'm glad that that exists because, you know, he himself has such a, a, an interesting, um, well, an important uh, contribution to this same genre <laughs> yeah. of, of horror or war film. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got uh, the, um, the, their, their, their son uh, doing a new video introduction for this. I mean, this is the way this film should be, um, should be seen. I mean, it should be seen regardless, but this is, this is how you bring this film and start to contextual, contextualize it. And so, yeah, just this one, this for me, you know, glad the Buñuels are coming. Um, but this is this is actually the most exciting release for me in January. Um, and, and not because I think it means that floodgates are open, they're going to start releasing upgraded Eclipse sets, you know, movies here, there, and everywhere. I, I don't think that's true, probably. Um, but just because this film um, needs it. Have you, have you seen um, Come and See yet, David? No, I, I have not. Yet. Oh wow! Oh, you're in for it. Yeah, well, I, I'm holding it. Off. I'm holding off, but I, I will be see very... it before December because we've got our end of the year stuff, and that's just definitely mm-hmm. even if I can't watch everything that Criterion releases, come and see has to be, you know, viewed and, and ranked amongst the top and most important releases of the year. So I will make my way. <laughs> But uh, yeah, to have both of those and Criterion editions, both come and see and this the ascent, uh, seems like a, a very you know sort of canonical type of move on Criterion's mm-hmm. part. Yep. They pair pair very well together. Uh, and yes, please watch Come and See. I, I put Come and See in my top four of all time on Letterbox. Actually, mm-hmm. it's if you look at my Letterbox, that's my uh, my profile. Um, one thing I want to point out is the cover image. Well, uh, as you know, Mark Cousins. Uh, released the I think 14 episode women make film and uh, this film he features prominently and in fact the scene that 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 the cover is taken from is uh, is a great moment from his series uh, and I think cousins really highlights the power of this mm-hmm. film I, I agree with both of you this is probably you know if I if I just was to randomly choose a, an eclipse title that um, that I would want to see on get it done blu-ray treatment this would be it uh, uh, just off the top of my head, and uh, and yeah, there, there's I, I, we're look, looking forward to the supplements. I, I love how they intertwine it with Klimov uh, because how how can you not really? Um, I think that they were such a such a power couple when it comes to uh, dark dark uh, films or dark narrative films. So and there's also a selected scene commentary. I'm sure that um, by uh, film scholar Daniel Bird and probably the film the scene which. I mentioned it's on the cover, well, which is probably the most iconic. That'll probably get covered. And yeah, the the short film, we have another one from uh, Shapiko, I believe is how you say her name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, and I think this film is worthy of a, a deeper dive on disc. So, yeah, um, so yeah can't yeah. wait. And they're all doing this within the, the Soviet Union of the 1970s. I mean, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's pretty astonishing. Yeah. You know, obviously not the most you know, fertile or, or free 
uh, garden for for you know cutting edge art to grow in, but they found a way to get these films done. And I and and I would even say you know they the the Soviet experience shaped their perception and their expression. So really important films to to come to grips with for anybody who maybe hasn't had a chance or taken the time to see them yet. So yeah, this is this is this is pretty important. Yeah, contemporary of Tarkovsky as well. Uh, so yep, yep. Uh, and kind of you know similar style, not not identical, but uh, you can see how maybe she uh, was influenced by him. Um, one question to both of you. Uh, so what, what was interesting, when I, when I saw the, this release slate, I was energized. I was, mm-hmm. uh, it just looked like, you know, I, I love surprises. I love uh, finding something that I wasn't expecting. Uh, but I was surprised to see that, um, uh, that some people were disappointed with the month. And yeah. in fact, Josh Brunsting, um, uh, and by the way, <laughs> I, I, if, I know this is a sidebar, but um, check out his New York Film Festival coverage on Criterion Cast, people, if you haven't been. Uh, he's been doing he, he did some great coverage of that but yep. he was disappointed and at first i thought how can you be i mean look at these the quality of these films but it's it, it wasn't really about the films themselves but about how you can you know that you have you, you have films that are already in print already exist or sorry not in print but already available mm-hmm. um and then you have one that's on Hulu, one that's on Netflix, one that's on Eclipse. So there just was not, it's not something that um, that people can't find elsewhere. Right. There's not a lot of novelty here. But I, 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 one of the things that I've thought about is like, well, what about COVID and all of the impact that that's had? I mean, yeah. these films, you know, they do a three month kind of, you know, window between announcement and publication. But, you know, there's got to be a good six, seven months of pre-work that goes in, maybe even longer in some cases. We know for some film films, they work on those for years. And let's just go back in time, back to, you know, last March when everything <laughs> kind of came crashing down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, There is a kind of a ready-made aspect to this, this month's del- you know, offerings for sure. But let's face it, they've had to work remotely like most of us have had to. And uh, that's just going to slow down the pace of production and and just the, the you know the collaborative work that you need to do. You know you can do a lot of this by Zoom. You can do a lot of this you know remotely and and assembling your your features and your footage and all of that. But I, I think you, you got to give some of the credit slash blame to just the whole pandemic situation that everybody's yeah. having to adjust to. And <clears throat> if you just if you just do the timeline when they were planning the January slate is probably right around the time when, when everything kind of came crashing down. Yeah. These are probably, we're, we're probably getting into all the COVID conceived, uh, 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 additions. So, um, right. So yeah, yeah. Good, good point. Um, are, are, do you, are you, uh, uh, excited about this month, Trevor? Yeah, I am. Uh, it, it, it is a little bit weird because I don't think this has happened very often, but other than minding the gap, I've seen every one of these films. And that's weird. You know, I usually have a few that I'm like, oh, I've been needing to see that, or I didn't even know that people liked that movie, (laughs) or I've never even heard of that movie. And um, this time, you know, I could go downstairs, and I I actually started Hulu up yesterday for a free trial so that my boys could watch the Curious George Halloween show, which is a tradition. (laughs) Um, So we watched that last night. There's my piece of flair early. Just kidding. Um, um, And... And, you know, so I could go and watch that right now. So it does, I I get that sentiment. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, looking at it in terms of here's the Buñuel films back in and how many people have not seen those because, you know, yeah, you can get a, you can get a region, you know, another region's uh, release, but there aren't very many 
um, you know, new cinephiles who are going to do that, in my opinion, I could be wrong, and who aren't going to go back and, and get out of print DVDs. And here they go. Yeah, this is fantastic. You know, it's, it's opening the doors for them. And, and for me, too, like I said, I haven't seen these in 15 years. Um, the Ascent, I feel the same way. There, there are tons of people who will never watch that film until it comes out on Blu-ray. I guess you can watch it on the Criterion channel. Um, uh, so hopefully people have done that. But, you know, it's just all that context on there. That's where I get the excitement for this month. Um, no, it's probably not my favorite month. It's not one of those just, you know, hitting me up, upside down all, all over the place to, you know, with excitement. But but there's a lot to a lot to appreciate here, especially if this is the result of their, them working in constraints, then, you know, boy, they, they, they've, they've done a great they've done a great job of still adding a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah. And, and good point about uh, having seen these. So I, I just looking over the titles, the only two I haven't seen are the two Bunuels on this set, but they're in the other room. And I think maybe maybe some of them either are or have been on the Criterion channel. So, so yeah, I get it. But I still think it's a great selection of films. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. And I, I guess we should move on from there. All right, well, uh, that's January 2021, but we're still in October, uh, recording this on the uh, 17th. So right now we're in a pretty exciting uh, release slate. Uh, we WC3, WC3, WCP3, it feels like a Star Wars uh, droid, um, The Elephant Man and uh, Pierre LeFou, speaking of Studio Canal, and also Claudine have both uh, just recently come out. And then now we have, uh, maybe not as exciting, but we, uh, just around the corner we have The Gunfighter, The Hit, and then Parasite. And then you know, in, a, in a few weeks we'll have the, uh, the Bellini set. So, um, so pretty... F- Pretty nice uh, stretch of uh, titles. Uh, what do you think, David? Any stand, stand out to you that you um, recommend as must sees or? Sure. Well, I know I think there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, I'm definitely um, you know the, the World Cinema Project set is you know just another wonderful addition. Very curious to to you know delve into that one. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely say positive things about each of these upcoming releases. Um, I will have something more to say with about Claudine which uh, I received as a birthday present from my daughter and uh, watched this morning, as a matter of fact, prior to uh, getting on the show here. And I loved it. So I'll have a bit more to say, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, there's, there's a, we're in a really solid run right now. And parasites on its way is another birthday gift (laughs) uh, that I got in advance uh, back when my my family got together, I got some pre-orders. So excited about both those titles in particular, but uh, not to diminish any of the others that are already on their way. Happy birthday, David. Thank you. <laughs> or, I guess belated. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get you anything. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm terrible. Yeah, terrible friend. No. Uh, Trevor, what, what are your highlights from, from this group? Well, I haven't seen the uh, the World Cinema Project three films yet, uh, but very excited about that. I mean, those those two other other sets have been just exciting. Uh, I, I really loved some of the discoveries in them, and expect the same here. But I don't have that one yet. Um, I don't have the Elephant Man yet, but I I do love that film. I'm glad it's there. I'm glad we're gonna keep stacking up those David Lynch digi packs. You know, I mm-hmm. love the way they look together. <laughs> uh, I don't have the new edition of Pierre Lefou because I have the old one, and it kind of sounds from what I'm seeing online that I've got the better one still. I don't know if you guys agree with that or or what. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen Claudine yet. And don't have it. So yeah, I'm I'm poor on the recently released <laughs> films. However, 
I actually do have the gunfighter and the hit as, as um, early review copies. Um, I had seen both of them before, and I, I think the gunfighter is uh, pretty wonderful. I really like it. And the hit is one of those very strange, but to me, very satisfactory, um, uh, you know, crime films. I, I do like it a lot as well. And I like Parasite. You know, I, I think that that's a, a great film that I'm excited to watch again uh, on on my big screen with the with the with the Blu-ray. I was in Walmart the other day and saw it sitting over there in the 4K release section and was like, okay, I get the I get the criticism. But I'll I'll go Criterion. So yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm not too because I've seen it twice already. So the third time uh, is is fine. By the by the way, uh, WCP has uh, six films. So there's a there's a lot there. Um, yeah, ex- exciting period. Uh, one thing, and this is a good transition to our next topic, is uh, Pierre Lefou. I you know, I think we probably all have the the outer print version, the the old version, and uh, the flash sales coming up. I I, I was gonna just not not buy this because why why bother i have it uh, i think the only difference is the cover maybe and the transfer uh but there, with the flash sale coming up i might just and that, that's kind of when i buy the titles that or i end up impulsing buying the titles that i really didn't care for the first time the ones i'm less excited i think about. i already know where this is going aaron i, I can see you getting that okay. oh i'm totally getting it <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well but um so usually the flash sales, we, I looked uh, back through October uh, when they typically happen, and they've happened every year, I think, for the last five years or so, if not more. Usually they're in the first or second week. I don't think we've had any in the third week. Uh, so I don't know if there's going to be one uh, this week, which would be the next Tuesday. And this episode might not be out by then. Um, so, uh, yeah, it probably will not be out by then. So um, this, this might be uh, old news by the time by the time you're listening to this, but uh, do you, are you expecting flash sale this week? I I don't know about this week. They've got Parasite coming out a little bit later, but that seems so close to potential Barnes and Noble sale. So I don't know. I guess I see what you're what you're saying. But did did you guys get that ten dollar gift certificate? I did a yeah. week ago mm-hmm. or so. Yeah, I, I mean, used it on Ben bon- well. <laughs> Thank you. That that kind of suggested that something's in the works. I can't mm-hmm. see them not doing it but i don't know maybe maybe it'll be more difficult you know the last time i I don't know maybe it'll be more difficult for them to to do all of this given covid um i think they've been doing a good job with orders but uh, i i know that my sell orders that i got when they kind of had their big deal uh those took a while to get to me um and maybe they're just like we we can't do it i don't know i don't know we'll see we'll see if not probably barnes and nobles right around the corner and if not, maybe. Well, who knows? <laughs> who knows we'll, about we'll just, that? We'll make do. We'll make do. Yeah, we'll, we'll get through this with uh, paying a little more for Criterion's. Um, yeah, I think just the mail service in general during COVID has been a little slower. So, so anyway, let's move on to um, potential upcoming titles. Uh, so one I think is pretty safe is uh, Joyce Chopra's Smooth Talk. Uh, I think that's 1984, 1985. Uh, it's going to be screening theatrically. You know, I don't know what that means these days, but um, on in November, actually right after Election Day, uh, the Friday after Election Day. So, and generally the window, I, I don't know about, you know, during the COVID era, but usually it's a couple months or a few months before they release it theatrically and then it hits Blu-ray. So I, I would expect maybe we'll have a spring release of this. Uh, any thoughts on uh, this film, another female filmmaker? 
bring it on is my thought yeah i loved their female film work at the um desert hearts from the same period is one of my favorite discoveries of the last few years from thanks to the criterion collection and i didn't know anything about this film but it's based on one of the great joyce carol oates stories uh where are you going where have you been oh wow. and it stars laura dern i'm yeah let's i can't wait i've never heard of it to my knowledge before they started posting the janice poster you know online same and so yeah very very excited to see what this is all about yeah, yeah i think it's actually one of laura dern's earliest roles actually you know this is 85 so this is before a lot of the great stuff that she did that kind of came to define her persona her presence on screen so you know what they call a breakout role so i didn't know a whole lot about it either but uh yeah this this and the whole other slate that you're you're probably going to go through in a minute Aaron, are, are all really intriguing and I'll just be patiently biding my time for them to become uh, more commercially available. Yeah, uh, um, and I forgot what I was going to say, so never mind. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, so, yeah, so we uh, there's some other uh, teases from uh, from Janice Films. So, so they tweeted uh, Lolita on release day, so a lot of people thought maybe that's uh, going to be, would be released, the Kubrick uh, they've also been hinting. Well, actually, uh, Mirror, Mirror, and uh, Celine and Julie go boating. So Mirror by Tarkovsky and Ju- Celine and Julie by um, um, Rivet. Rivet, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so these are these are some heavyweights that might be uh, coming out. Uh, I know that uh, Celine and Julie is not as um, not as accessible, Rivet, and uh, and a little bit divisive. But I, I enjoy it. I think it's uh, it's kind of uh, Kind of stupid in a way, but uh, but interesting. I, I shouldn't say the word stupid. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm uh, so not excited stupid. That was an a... eighty-hour stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> Creative, I, I think, is the word. Uh, uh, silly, maybe a little bit, uh, and and disconnected. It. That's that's the the word I'll go with. Um, so, I guess I'll just just ask. First off, Mirror has been in the the rumor mill for a while. Uh, do you think we're getting all these, and uh, and what are your thoughts on on them? So, so David. Oh, I think I think Lolita, Mirror, and Selena and Julie would all be excellent, uh, you know, standalone Blu-ray titles. Uh, each of them have their own sort of context and kind of a, a unique pivotal moment in each of the director's careers, and I, I just think they would benefit from kind of again that kind of well-rounded presentation where you've got some good supplements to kind of you know just put them in context and uh, give them what might be close to a definitive presentation i mean obviously lolita has been available in, in quite a few of the stanley kubrick you know kind of comprehensive packages out there but to, to kind of give it its own sort of moment in the spotlight um I think is is worthwhile, and it, it certainly opens the door to a lot of other discussions about contemporary concerns. You know, yeah, I and, think it'll be very valuable for that to bring yeah. it up to hopefully get some supplements that bring it up to date um, and yeah. contextualize yeah. it for us today. And a better transfer too. I think I think the existing versions don't have a great transfer. That that might be why it's taking a while. Um, so, and every month, I I believe her name is Marsha Birch. Every month we do the prediction poll. She adds mirror, votes for mirror, and, it, and it's complete wishful thinking. And I think she's she'd almost given up. So, Marsha, there's hope. Um, <laughs> speaking of hope, a lot of people hoped that uh, Wong Kar Wai was that box set would be announced for January. Uh, it's also going to be a, a Janice theatrical tour. They're calling it the World of Wong Kar Wai, which if 
if if if and when I, I guess I think it's more when the box set comes out that's what it's going to be titled I'm I'm pretty certain so it's not going to be the complete <laughs> not going to be the essential just the world uh, which I, I kind of like um, and uh, so I, yeah of course I accept I expect you're both Juan Car Y aficionados or sure. enthusiasts yep. yeah yeah uh, looking forward to that or and do you think it's February March uh, any thoughts. Uh, I think they're they're working on it, you know. And I, um, you know, I'll reference my 2017 uh, brief visit to the Criterion office. They were working on a restoration of uh, In the Mood for Love at that time, um, and I was surprised to to see that. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I've, I've publicly shared that in any of my little anecdotes, but I thought, well, you've already got it on on a nice Blu-ray. But they said, well, we're gonna make an, a better version yet. So I was like, okay, cool, do what you do. So this has been a long time project uh, that's been going on you know three plus years now and i think they're just they're getting it right and and like i say i'm, I'm sure COVID and everything else has has impacted the schedule that they anticipated with uh last january's wacky drawing we didn't really know the yeah how this year is going to unfold so um i'm i'm very content i'm a patient man get it right do it the, the right way especially for a set that's been anticipated for as long there's nothing arbitrary about the calendar to getting it out by a certain month or or before the the, the digits flip one way or the other so uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll trust them to do what they got to do yeah tw- 2020 has not given us any shortage of boxes and and yeah that's that was the last jason poland drawing uh and it was on there so yeah it's it's happening someday i i expect probably in the near future we'll get an announcement um, so yeah, and then the last uh, rumored, uh, not really rumored, but uh, uh, leaked maybe uh, a title is The Parallax View by um, uh, Alan Pacula. And that there was a, a Alex, uh, Alex Cox was on a podcast. I didn't listen to it, but he mentioned that he was working on a supplement. So uh, shame on Alex Cox for, um, for leaking that information. But also thanks, Alex Cox, uh, because... <laughs> I really like the Parallax View. Yeah. Um, I think it's my favorite of the of that his um, uh, Paranoia trilogy, trilogy, which are all good. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, any quick thoughts on those on that? I like oh. Clue, and I like all the Prisons Men. I have not seen the Parallax View. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's another great '70s classic. Uh, I'll I'll be ready to dig in whenever uh, we get to that point in my uh, chronology. Um, I'll just say that the Parallax View is a little more. Uh, I don't want to say artistic, a little more. It's it's not as uh, it's not as narrative driven as those other two. Uh, so and especially the last like 15, 20 minutes, it's really uh, I, I think it's a special film. So uh, glad we're it feels more uh, Criterion uh, like a better fit for Criterion because there there are some flourishes. So um all right well that's uh, we made good time through these uh, rumors. So let's um let's talk Can about show? short short mm-hmm. takes yeah. Uh, so the, these are just criterions we've seen somewhat recently. So, David, I think I have a feeling which one you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's already been leaked there. Claudine, uh, <laughs> starring Diane Carroll and James Earl Jones. I think it was 74. I don't even have the year in front of me. But, um, you know, really, really excited to get this. My my daughter, like I said, she, she chose it for me out of the kind of upcoming Criterion releases. She thought that would be a story that would resonate with me, and I appreciate <clears throat> her thoughtfulness for that. And, uh, yeah, it really was. It's it's about uh, a mother of six children uh, living in Harlem, uh, played by Diane Carroll. She's probably 
most famous for her TV series Julia, that which is kind of a she was a nurse, I think, in the 1960s. I remember watching some of those episodes back in the day, and um, you know she had a very wholesome, maybe even kind of squeaky clean image. She was one of these sort of like a, a female Sydney Poitier, I might say, kind of an idealized African American woman. Uh, it's kind of a safe for white audiences to sort of take in the the black female sensibility, uh, but she really kind of lets it all out here. It's it's a very powerful film about living in the welfare state in a you know kind of a an urban jungle type of setting she and her uh six children live in a four-room apartment uh, you know kind of right there in the, in the you know upper manhattan and she meets up with the uh, james earl jones who plays uh, uh rupert a, a garbage man uh back in the days when they didn't have little mechanical lifts he had to tote every single barrel and toss it in the, and you know it's it's both of these actors both of them pretty iconic in their own way but especially James Earl Jones, you know, the voice oh, of Darth sure. Vader and all of that. Uh, here he's a very, very virile, very muscular, uh, you know, he's he's a, a, he got it going on. But it's it's really fascinating the um, the, the social tensions and, and the cultural dynamics that are on display here. Uh, this is a film that you could sort of see going down the road of being this kind of heartwarming, we're just going to pull together and buck up and make the best of our situation. And there's an element to that, but it does not pull its punches. It, it's got a, so it's got a really raw, gritty side to it, and the conflicts between the different characters and the generations and each of the children with their own story and their own response to this kind of social trauma that they're living through uh, was very affecting, a very moving film. I'm going to rewatch it again and, and wow. again sample the supplements just a little bit. But it's it's a it's a really strong strong film that uh, I had not really heard a whole lot about up until the announcement was made. But I'm really excited to have this in the collection and very going to be eagerly checking out other people's reactions to it as it kind of gets out there into the market. Can I ask a question about that? So, sure. We, yeah. On the, I believe it was the last episode we talked about the New York Times Black Films uh, yeah. article, mm-hmm. and and I, I uh, made a video talking about. I, I agree with the points uh, that the New York Times made, and kind of questioned my own blind spots as far as that goes. Uh, but one of the things I, I talked about on uh, was that there are some interesting black stories to check out on Criterion that aren't necessarily by black directors. And I think George Washington was one that stands out. Um, would you say that this would fall into that category? It just ha- happens that the director's white, but the cast is black. Yeah. No, it feels to me like whoever was in on the screenwriting or you know putting the story together had an authentic voice. I mean, this doesn't feel um, like sort of some bleeding heart liberal condescending sure. presentation of the black experience. This this. And again, you know, I, I would love to watch this with with uh, some of my black friends and acquaintances, just to say, what do you think about this? Had you seen this before? How does this movie mm-hmm. stand in terms of your own sort of family story or, or kind of your own experience uh, growing up or or you know living in similar type of situations? I mean, you know, they they you know one of the, one of the things that happens on a few occasions is they get visited by this kind of welfare worker, and when the person shows up, they have to hide all of the little you know goodies you know their their toaster their iron their tv because if they're seen with these objects in their home that that's going to you know cut into the meager benefits that they have and it's just it's it's a bunch of people living through very difficult circumstances and having to find a way to stay sane and hopeful and 
positive uh, against lots of oppression and hmm. and hardship that's kind of just built into the system that that is you know the the welfare provides them some sustenance but it's also dehumanizing in its own way and in the meantime you've got to find a way to you know attend to a a, a, a romantic relationship that's just developed and try to build a future together and try to keep your kids in line because there's all kinds of pressures on them that are pulling them in directions that you don't really want to see them go and and yet this is the reality that you just can't wish away so um, there's a lot of humor there's a great soundtrack Curtis Mayfield wrote mm. the music Gladys Knight and the Pips did the, the performance and it's it's really pretty impressive so a uh, high recommendation on that one i can't wait yeah high praise uh, and you know to close the loop on the new york times i, I think that there's the completely valid there should be more black female uh, f- females yeah black females as well but um black <laughs> black filmmakers in the collection uh, also there's kind of the anti-auteur theory that uh, that even though the director is somebody usually the, they have somebody with money maybe or with um with a little clout off it takes uh, making a film is a lot of people and uh, a mm-hmm. lot of different voices contribute to that so that's kind of the you know the, the anti-auteur theory certainly not the case with uh Benuel or Tarkovsky or some of the other filmmakers that we've talked about uh, but maybe I forget the name of the director of, of Claudine but um anyway look forward to seeing it so um so Tre- Trevor what's your short take <laughs> my short take is quite different from David's in a way, you know, a a little less serious, um, maybe a little less significant. Uh, But I went back and watched Trouble in Paradise, Ernst Lubitsch's 1932 film, uh, because I don't think I'd ever seen it before. I think I thought that I had. Um, I don't think that I ever had. But it's on the Criterion channel now. It's one of his that's still, you know, available only on DVD. And it's an old release. uh, So, I, you know, I'd never watched it on DVD uh, that I can remember. If I did, it's when I checked it out of the library so long ago, I can't remember. Um, so, I, but I'm guessing it looks pretty ragged. And, uh, you know, so uh, this is one that I think should get get upgraded pretty soon. I hope that they work on it. You know, they've, they've done Heaven Can Wait last year, or they did Clooney Brown. Uh, so yeah, I'm- I, Designed I for Living, they, yeah. Designed for Living, yeah, that was, that's been a while now, right? Yeah. 2012, maybe even. Yeah. Um, They've got to be or not to be, to be out. Be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it just seems like a, a natural one that they, they should upgrade if they have the ability to. Uh, that, you know, so much fun. It's Miriam Hopkins, uh, you know, just uh, I love her and everything. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think that I'd ever seen it. Um, again, thought that I had. Don't don't think that was true. I think I just thought that I've seen most of his kind of more major works. Um, but I had not, uh, you know, this one felt brand new to me maybe i'm just getting to that age uh well <laughs> i watching my dvds and I'll, it'll all be always be like wow that i've never seen that before i don't know well there's a pretty <laughs> fascinating story to that particular film it was really buried and censored it was kind mm-hmm. of a you know one pre-code. of the last pre-codes it was never mm-hmm. syndicated never brought up never released on vhs i think the criterion dvd was like maybe it's one and only commercial release um, so it's never really had the full proper restoration. I, I would like to maybe check out the Criterion Channel version just to see how it compares to the DVD. I, I hope it's a better transfer. But yeah, it's really been kind of um, not fortunately not lost to history, but not very accessible either. So this is a and this yeah. is a really important film in, of Lubitsch's you know kind of whole arc there. So. Certainly, yeah, very saucy is all I'll say. Very saucy. Uh, I love well, it. And, yeah, and honestly. I just hope that there comes a day when we get the shop around the corner. 
yeah. Um, yeah. which was on the Criterion channel a while back, and I adore that film. Um, Ninochka, that can come too, mm. but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, my, the Shop Around the Corner is one of my favorite films of all time, um, and so... Yeah. We watched uh, every know, Christmas, I, you know, for sure. It's, yeah. It's a, oh, it's, and if nice, they're going to upgrade nice. Eclipses, maybe uh, The Smiling Lieutenant or Merry Widow oh, or something, yeah. who knows? There's a lot. There's, those, are, those are fun. But, yeah, great yeah, films. I don't, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't care if they never up, upgrade those. That was a, <laughs> a, a, that's a great set, though, and mm-hmm. um, we had a great conversation on that one. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I watched, Trouble in Paradise, finally, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites of his, uh, oh, and, that, and his are pretty high, uh, high caliber, one of my favorite classic filmmakers. So my, my short take, it's probably the longest film. In fact, I think the running time probably encompasses both of the films you, you talked about. Uh, you can watch two films in the time, in, or two films for the price of one. Uh, Christ Stops at uh, Eboli, uh, which is an Italian film by uh, Rossi. Uh, uh, and I, I'm really finding him him to be quite a fascinating uh, filmmaker. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of films by him. I've seen the couple that are in on Criterion, and also uh, Illustrious Corpses, which is a, a really interesting sort of police film, um, uh, kind of crime film. I think it was preceded uh, Christ Stops at a Bully, uh, which I would I hope that, that that one will come out somewhere on some label. Uh, this is a different tone uh, than you know it's you know. It's not bullfighting or crime or anything like that. Uh, it's a, it's a, a, a and I, I'm not going to get into the plot too much because it's long. It's a long movie. There's a lot of plot. Uh, I'll just say that it's a, it's a, a very uh, gorgeous film. Uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting locations they, they shot at, a lot of interesting uh, shots, a lot of beautiful scenery, uh, and it's sl- it is a slower film. You know, as a four hour uh, more contemplative, maybe even sometimes meditative, but yet still a character story. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it. It's um, if you're if you're looking for a, a, a new find this year, this might be uh, one of the the, the new uh, un, unknown or obscure gems that Criterion has released this year. So um, yeah, check it out. And with that, let's wrap up uh, with our pieces of flair uh, as everybody remembers this is just something that's not criterion that's right. fun so uh david what do you have sir <laughs> oh gosh you know I, I you know let me just say i've been you know, between politics and postseason <laughs> sports in the bubble and work and actually just a decision to spend more time actually just reading and maybe doing a little less you know screen watching or social media uh you know, maybe people have noticed i just have not been real active in that format i don't really have a lot of non-criterion film that i've been watching so and even my piece of flair that i'm kind of desperately uh, throwing out there is is kind of criterion related in that <laughs> i'm doing a new version of my criterion chronology list on letterbox and it's it's almost just for you aaron <laughs> i'm doing a list that is going to be well, physical media only <laughs> chronology so it's going to include laser discs it's going to include the, uh, <laughs> eclipse and the other stuff but i'm basically recreating that list without all of the uh, streaming only titles so that if people want to check their own chronological exploration of the criterion collection it's going to be available very soon i i copied my old list over but apparently letterbox only does like 2000 titles when you mm-hmm. try to replicate a list so i had to i have to add some of the more recent releases and i'm doing that by hand and it's taken me a little bit but i'm going to try that to do some work <laughs> yeah that that's it's, but it's fun though it's it's oh, yeah. fun just to kind of type the titles and go through my spreadsheet and transfer it over so i'm going to try to get that 
finished and online before you get this episode published, so the race is on. <laughs> okay, well, if you do, uh, if, if, if you succeed at this, uh, the link will be in the show notes, and uh, and yes, and so my, my birthday, birthday is in July, David, but thank you for okay. the, the late birthday present, since we're on that topic. Um, and yeah, I think the, uh, that, or the NBA bubble, I think that's a very suitable um, <laughs> piece of flair. Congrats to the Lakers. Uh, yeah. Trevor, what, what do you have, sir? Well, it might be kind of similar to David. So many other things have taken my mental attention. Um, but I have been watching movies with my kids that I've been wanting to see with them. And, you know, I mentioned Curious George earlier. That was for the, the five-year-old. Um, but we did do the – we started the Fellowship of the Ring last night um, with my older kids, mm. and partially because I was looking for something kind of Halloweenish, and honestly, the first half of that movie is pretty horrific, with the you know their their chase and trying to get to Rivendell. That that's scary, and so I was pretty pleased that 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 worked. But I was also pleased to see how well that film holds up for me, in terms of just you know gorgeous visuals, um, how nicely it moves the story forward. The story I'm very familiar with, I can still get wrapped up in. Um, so that's one. The other one was recently doing the Bill and Ted's uh, journey with them um and culminating really? with the uh, with the the most recent one which i thought was super fun so mm-hmm. stupid and that one we can use the word stupid <laughs> we but certainly in a, can in a very fun uh <laughs> way i was delighted by um and I'm, the name is slipping right now what is it bill and ted face, face the music, the music yeah. yeah yeah but i had so much fun with that i don't know if it was just my state of mind i don't know how i would like it tomorrow <laughs> if i watched it again um but it hit me at the right moment so so yeah a lot of like i don't know maybe just some comfort viewing during this absolutely terrible year and um and to get my mind off the politics and and just you know the uncertainties of of the future with covid and what that means for uh work and all that kind of stuff and for other people that it's affecting um, these were nice respites, the, the Lord of the Rings with them and uh, the Bill and Ted stuff. So, yeah, that's not super sophisticated, but no. I stand by it. It was fun. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, in fact, uh, the, over the summer, knowing uh, the Bill and Ted came, uh, it was coming out, uh, I, um, I, I rewatched those the first two films. And, and yes, this is where stupid is a, a compliment. <laughs> stupid fun is uh, is fitting, and I, I do like well, how Bogus they... Journey was on the Criterion Channel, so yeah. that's uh, with Bergman. You and know, I, I think Bergman. So <laughs> I think that's actually my my favorite of the three. But the new one is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's it's not up with the filmmaking of, of Bergman or or even most of the people we talked about tonight. But um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great escape. Um, I don't know. There's some, there's some earnestness with which everybody involved tends to play those. Mm-hmm. Just an earnest, tender heart that really is infectious. I love it. Yeah, and you can tell they're having fun too. And that's yeah, it, it's a, a great escape. So um, n- not the great escape, but a great escape. So it, with <laughs> with that in mind, my my piece of flair. I, I I have been watching films, and I've been trying to ignore you know everything uh, in the world, especially politics, not too successfully, but um. But, I've I've really um, this month or this year especially have been focusing on horror films only during October and I know that that's super dorky but um, so that means I haven't been watching many Criterion's because I realized I've seen all all the horror Criterion's and uh, this they they didn't release any um, anything horror uh, in the in the genre for uh, for this this uh, October slate um, sometimes I stretch it a little bit like I I watched. Um, 
Well, first I'll talk about uh, the Eureka Troll set, which is certainly never coming out on Criterion. And speaking of escapes, these are bad movies, and they're uh, yeah they're they're never gonna never gonna come out even on any um, any boutique high quality film uh, uh, curations uh, from from any stu- any label. But but they're so much fun. And then there's a documentary about the making of Troll Two. Uh, so so yeah, it's a great way to turn off your brain and enjoy kind of a dumb dumb bad movie. And um, <laughs> and I, I this this weekend I, I are I'm, they are they good dumb bad movies? No, they're bad, bad. Uh, they're, they're bad, bad. Oh, okay. They're so bad, they're good. If that makes sense, and Troll Two especially, it's it's so silly, and uh, and and that's where the documentary is, is fun because the, the cast didn't realize they were making uh, the worst movie ever, or among yeah, the worst movies it's, ever. It's legendarily bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, yeah, so I, I and I kind of joked. I watched the the Spinal Tap again, and I you know I, I justified that because it's horrific for their drummers, but. Uh, um, <laughs> you just other, gave me the chills. <laughs> otherwise, it's uh, it's pretty fun. So anyway, that's you have to enjoy yourself. And uh, November, October is almost over. Then we'll have an election, and then we can get back to Criterion's over the holidays. Yes. So g- great times. Um, where can people find you all online now? Uh, I, I I'll ask David first, but I think sure. it might be both of you have the same some of the same answers. Well, you know, Criterion Cast is my home base. Um, we released uh, an episode on Harold and Maude. That's the last feature film <coughs> for the Criterion Reflections podcast in this long-running season three. I got another short uh, film kind of compendium episode, all the miscellaneous shorts from various Criterion releases that were made in 1971. I'll start working on that in a bit. I've already referenced the um, War Room uh, episode that I did as a Criterion Cast main episode. I'll be doing a segment with Josh Hornbeck talking about some of those 1971 titles that are part of the horror bundle on the Criterion channel. So that's what I've got coming up in my podcasting uh, queue. And then maybe by the time all that's said and done, it'll be you know mid-November, and I'll probably start kind of getting ready for uh, the year-end episode. So uh, you know where to find me, CriterionCast.com. Yeah, I guess I'll be doing the same. So, And what about you, Trevor? Yeah, typically over at the Mooks and the Gripes, that's... Uh mooksandgripes.com um, I've been pretty uh, slow lately though again I'll, I'll blame everything going on and my own busyness uh, uh, that which is another uh, excuse too David and I um, can be found at Inside the Box we've got two episodes out yep. and we have plans for the third we know what we're going to do I've seen the films and the supplements mm-hmm. so mostly that's a scheduling thing and a lot on my end because honestly I having the hardest time focusing um (laughs) lately and so but but we've got that we've kind of thought maybe doing that seasonally more frequently if we can but you know seasonally and we've got our spring and summer episodes out time to get that uh that fall one going (laughs) i I think we can i can i think we can make that happen in november yeah so let's uh, get get cracking on that well yeah if if they keep on releasing 10 box sets a year then yeah you're gonna you're never (laughs) gonna catch up the same goal with the eclipse as we had with the eclipse this is just for us to have fun, I okay. think. That's, right, that's David? A... We're just having fun? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are some boxes that we may never cover, boxes that maybe I've already talked about in mm-hmm. other formats. Yeah, uh, B- we, don't, we don't need yeah. to cover them all, exactly. Yeah, you've, you've covered that uh, sufficiently. All right, well, great time. Uh, you can find uh, the show at Criterion Cast. Uh, please subscribe, or please support the, 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 the network, I guess you call it. Um, with uh, Patreon, where you get these episodes early, and some of your your episodes have been dropping early there. I'm unedited sometimes, and um, 
You can find me uh, on Letterboxd. Uh, DSNT is my my uh, uh, profile, uh, and uh, and I'm on Twitter, AWS505. So good talking to you both, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Aaron. It's been a good time. Thanks.